Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Horses Tack Box Talk Series Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University, and we have one of our very favorite guests coming back to us today. So, Dr. Carrie Williams from Rutgers University. Welcome back, Carrie. Hello, everybody. Thank you for the invite. So, we're excited to talk to Carrie today because this is what she's kind of known for her specialty across the nation. So, she gives a lot of talks on supplements. So, we're going to be digging into supplements with Carrie today. Um, and hopefully answering some questions for, for folks. So I guess we'll get started here. There are so many supplements that are marketed to horse owners that I think it can be just dizzying. So how does one know, like, do I need to get that supplement subscription surface as a horse owner? Does every horse need a supplement? That is a great question and one that I definitely feel needs to start off any supplement conversation. Um, regardless if you are a horse owner, trainer, educator, etc. And my answer to that is usually always, without knowing anything about the horse, if, there's two things, if your horse is on a balanced diet, and two, does not have any specific problems, then most likely your horse does not need a supplement. So why are there so many of them then? Because they are being marketed very, very well. <laughs> if I can be blatantly honest. Yeah, that's why we're here. Honesty is good. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, there, there's so much good marketing. And I mean, there's also, so those two blanket statements I just said, the balanced diet and the, you know, if you want to lack of better words, and I'm, for those of you who can't see me using my, my air quotes, a normal horse, you, you know, there's so much question mark behind both of those statements that, a lot of horse people out there feel like, well, maybe I'll just cover all my bases because I don't know if my diet is balanced. And well, I have a young horse and I don't think he has problems, but let me use the supplements just in case there's something that it could cover. So I think there's so much gray area that there's probably a, a, a lot of question mark in people's minds. So let's start with the, the balanced diet. You know, for, for us as nutritionists, it seems pretty straightforward and easy for us to think about a balanced diet. For the average horse owner, that may be a little bit tougher or more challenging. So how does the average person know if their horse has a balanced diet? Yeah, and, and I'm glad we started there as well because being a nutritionist, that's always what I look at is tell me what your horse is on. What does your diet look like? And I mean, the first thing and the majority of the diet should be forage. So what kind of forage is it? Is it a good quality forage? Meaning if it's a hay, is it an immature hay that has lots of leaves, um, not as many stems or not any large seed heads? Um, does it, um, or are they on pasture? Are they on pasture for a few hours of the day and not like a brown pasture that's all dirt, but are they actually eating grass? Um, so, you know, what does their forage look like and is it the majority of their diet? It could be 100% of their diet or it can just be a majority of their diet. And then from there, we'll look at, okay, now what activity level, what are they doing? And, you know, I'll try to pair up with the class of horses if they 
you know, are on a good forage and maybe need a little grain supplement uh, on top of that, then more than likely it's balanced. Um, but I think forage is kind of the first place to go to when looking at, at that. So an owner, though, can't really look at their horse, though, and tell if it has a balanced diet, right? Not necessarily, because a lot of the deficiencies really hide themselves until it's too late, pretty much. Like a lot of the mineral deficiencies. And I'm the first one to admit that, you know, mineral nutrition was probably my hardest class as a graduate student uh, because there are so many mineral interactions. And that's the thing. You might have uh, a magnesium deficiency, but it didn't come from the fact that there was low magnesium. It came from the fact that there was something else that was high. So it really gets very complicated to look at some of these vitamin and or mineral deficiencies. And a lot of times you won't see classic signs or clinical signs until it's too late. Okay. So it's a little different than just saying, hey, they're getting enough calories, which we can generally pretty much easily tell on the calorie side calories if it's too is, much yeah. or not. But, but beyond that, like even protein, and, and I don't want to get too into the weeds about amino acids or everything, but that's disguised for a long time if a horse actually has a deficiency. Yeah, that is correct. Um, you know, any individual amino acids, too, are really hard because it'll first come out as a, a, a you know, low level of protein overall, and then you have to find out where does that lie. Is it a, a, just a straight-up level of protein problem, or is there a specific limiting amino acid that has become the problem? So I know as nutritionists, we always recommend, well, one, forage-based, because that's healthiest for the gut of the horse. And then typically the next thing out of our mouth is, did you have your forage tested? Mm -hmm. But a standard forage test, is that going to tell you everything you need to know? Depends on the level of testing you get, because some of them only give you calcium and phosphorus as the two minerals, and you don't get the rest of it. But if you do pay a little extra, you can get the whole package. But then the question becomes, okay, I have the levels on the test, but what did my horse need? And are these levels actually high enough for my X, Y, or Z horse, whether it's pregnant animal, growing animal, exercising animal, et cetera. And that's really when I think working with your nutritionist comes into play. And I'm not even going to say veterinarian because this is way more than they even usually right. deal with on a daily basis. And so probably the key to, uh, if you know a nutritionist, they like math. That's how you can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us do, anyway. Yay, feed math. So. Yeah. so that may be, you know, if you're worried about it, you might want to actually consult with somebody if you wanted to go to that level. But I think you had mentioned, you know, we talk about forage and then a lot of horses also get grain. Mm -hmm. um, so we generally, is that going to contribute to that horse having a balanced ration? And that's another great question because, yes, I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, my horse is on X, Y, or Z grain. And I say, great, okay, well, you know, assuming we've already talked about their forage, now how much grain are they on or what is the grain? And they say, oh, they're on a half a scoop of blah, blah, blah. And, okay, um, what size is your scoop and how much is that? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Well, if eventually I can make them go back and figure out how much it was, then they can tell me, oh, it was four pounds of whatever company's whatever feed. Um, then I can go back and look at the bag. And what did the bag recommend? Well, if the bag recommended eight pounds, 
for their particular type of horse at the activity level they're in or the weight, then they're only giving half of what was recommended on the bag. Well, the way companies make recommendations on the bag is based on the amount of nut other nutrients, vitamins, minerals, etc., that's in that feed compared to 2% of your horse's body weight in X forage. So yeah, there's a little bit of assumption going on there, but if you're only feeding half of what is recommended, my guess is they're probably missing something. They might be finding calories, but there might be some other things that they are missing because you're not feeding the recommended amounts. And so that kind of, if you're feeding according to manufacturer recommendations, good quality forage, you generally assume that my horse is going to be pretty good on, on nutrients. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I'm not getting too in-depth here, but again, there's a lot of other types of supplements that aren't zinc, copper, selenium, right? The standard things yeah. we think about in feed. What about all the rest of those? Oh, yeah. And there's, and you know hey, maybe we can save this for another webinar because I can go on and on. We could talk for hours on the different classes of supplements, joint supplements, hoof supplements, calming aids, digestive aids, you name it. And yeah, a lot of those don't have what we call our classic nutrients in there. They might be nutraceuticals. Uh, you know, the joint supplements, chondroitin sulfate and glucosamine and those sorts of things. So that's when you're starting to look at the horse overall. And this is when I would bring the veterinarian into the picture does your horse have a clinical joint problem that might benefit from a joint supplement? Does your horse have a, you know, something where they might need a digestive aid or, or some of those things? Um, but again, you really need to be careful with buying these supplements because not everything out there is based on research or based on science. And, you know, you know as very well as I do, you know, a lot of our answers, especially with all of our colleagues are based on science and it's really hard for me to make recommendations if there's no science mm -hmm. so and this is always um yes it's kind of bothered me too because there's so much out there that doesn't have a lot of science behind it i mean i'm going to ask you the question why are there so many things that that have never honestly even been tested in a horse and i'm going to go back to my other comment to uh great marketing <laughs> because they're selling the product um so why bother finding out if their product particularly works if they're already selling it? Because research is extremely expensive. I mean, I've done a lot of research for companies. I've done it very cheaply compared to what it probably should have been done. Um, but it, it's, it's really hard for a company to spring, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a supplement if in one day they are making, you know, a tenth of that and they need 10 days to sell that much uh, product. So. So I think that maybe maybe we should reiterate that to say there are a lot of products. We're not even talking about a few. There are quite a lot of products that haven't Thousands. been tested in <laughs> yeah. a horse. Right. And that, and that is true. And, and you know, a, a classic example of a, a category, a supplement category along those lines would be herbal products. There are very few herbal supplements out there that have been actually tested in horses. A lot of where the theory on the supplements come from is either human or small animal. They'll look at the clinical trials in small animals or in humans, and they'll say, oh, hey, look what it did in humans. So therefore, let's add a little of this to this supplement, and it's going to do the same in horses. And there are no guidelines to say that that is illegal. They can do that. They can add uh, yucca to a product and say it is going to help their horse's joints because it's anti-inflammatory. 
but yet it's never been tested to show that that actually works in horses. I will say, however, if you are looking for a research-based product, the companies that have done the research will let you know oh, that smart. either they have done it or they've had a university do it. And that's where I've done some uh, supplement studies for companies, and they will use, you know, Dr. Kerry Williams at Rutgers University has shown that block. Mm -hmm. But I always, you know, Follow your due diligence, I guess, if you're you're looking at that, because I've even seen some companies that will allude to something that I happen to have read the paper on, and I was like, um, I don't think that's what it said. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it does get really daunting for the average horse owner to to weed through all of the BS, if I can say that, that's out there. I mean, because it really can get pretty mind-boggling. Um, and, and that's another good reason to have a have a nutritionist in your pocket to be like, hey, what do you think of this? Have you heard of anything? And I will say I get those emails or calls on a fairly regular basis. And I will say most of the time I, I haven't heard of it or there is no research out there. Um, what I do know is uh, that if, if you do look at the ingredients label and you see something that says proprietary blend, studied by blah, 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 but yet they don't follow up with that. They don't tell you what is in that proprietary blender. They don't tell you what study was, like they don't tell you any details of the study. That should be your first red flag. Like I wanna know what I'm feeding my horse. I wanna know what's in that. Especially some of these herbal products. There is a lot of toxic herbs out there and a lot of these herbal supplements have them in it. St. John's Word is a great one. St. John's Word is toxic and it does show up in a lot of the herbal products. Um, it just boggles my mind that people actually would feed it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could help us uh, explain this a little bit. So some of the trials that, that maybe, hey, it worked in a, in a human, or it worked in a, in a rat model. Why does that not mean that it just will automatically work in a horse? Or does it mean that? Um, it could go both ways. So it's always a great place to start if you're doing a research model. Hey, it did this in mice. And I, let me use one example because I did this as a graduate student. I found lipoic acid. And some of you out there might have heard of or know lipoic acid. It is a very high potent antioxidant. It's fat soluble and water soluble. It has been used a lot in Europe in humans and has done has had a lot of small animal or, or, or testing. So I found a lot of the theory um, in other animals to say, okay, here I presented it to my PhD advisor and I wanted to look at it in horses. And I came up with a good enough case. He says, yes, let's do it. Did it in horses. It actually worked. It did everything. However, I needed way more product in the supplement that I was feeding to my horses than anybody's pocketbook would actually want to pay for. I mean, it would cost hundreds of dollars per month for that supplement, for that amount to be effective in your horse. That is a great point because I've seen that too. There's a lot of products that, things that we know. So I'm just throw biotin out, right? So we, there's some papers out there that says biotin does help with hoof growth, but you have to read the literature to know how much it takes. And I, you definitely find products that just say it's included. And I think the owner is like, oh, then 
then that's what I need. Then that's what I need. Exactly, exactly. It's the same thing with joint products. You know, the glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate are needed at such high levels that a lot of companies will put in trace amounts just so that they can add it to the bag or to say, this includes blah, and it's not near the amount needed. So you're wasting your money on a product that's had the price increased because it's in there, but not enough is in there. Uh, and that, that I think that's another another area where you know you need to find someone who knows what's in there or what they the horses actually need um, so that you can be the educated buyer and find a product that really has the amounts that you need and more than likely it's going to be more expensive so that's another thing I always tell you get what you pay for with supplements you really do so why do they make it so hard <laughs> so I mean honestly I think that's a problem for a lot of consumers is that ingredient list is is daunting and companies do just list things sometimes as as a marketing sales point but they but that doesn't tell you any information about how much of it is in there yeah and and if you do really read the labels closely for the most part you can find some of that like especially some of the active ingredients um granted obviously unless they say proprietary so there's ways to find it it's just tricky so let's go back to, to looking at our, our horse. Again, there's not going to be a lot visible. There's not going to be um, a lot of, of readily available information unless you're working with a nutritionist on vitamins, minerals, etc. There's all these other lists of things. So how might I think my horse would benefit from a supplement or might need one given all of these categories? Um, so I think starting off, you know, and, and obviously I'm a horse owner too, so there's barn talk, right? You know, you, you got your trainer, you have your friends, you have, uh, you know, your farrier and, and all these other people that are like, hey, you should try this. I mean, obviously I'm not going to say don't listen to them at all, but if you do listen to them, you, again, don't, don't put your blindfold on and go in blind. Uh, you know, if you want to try a product, great, try it, but critically evaluate your horse. And a lot of these supplements, you can you can see what you have. I mean, I, I always use joint supplements and you know, it's the number one class of, of supplements out there. But if you're using it for a problem, and you know, let's go back to my old horse, Mickey, because why not, right? She comes up on everything. <laughs> um, you know, she's, she's 24 years old and she's got a little hitchy gait. Well, they've tried some products and, and the lady who's riding her now is like, I don't notice anything, I don't notice anything. And I was like, well, give it a month. Or, or the container that you bought, and then stop buying it. Like, don't waste your money if you really feel like there should be a difference and there's not. Well, then we tried this one product. A week or two goes by, and she goes, you got to come ride her because I know this, she feels amazing. And, you know, she warms up so much quicker, and, and, you know, one thing after another, and she was happier and jumping. And I'm like, that's the proof you need. You know your horse well enough. You should be able to see some signs of them getting better for whatever it is um you know if they're the, the all these calming aids you know you should be able to see something you know if they if you haven't seen that they're quieter on the calming aid then why bother mm-hmm. and and with that i guess there is a whole lot of placebo effect right because doesn't the human owner come into play on this absolutely and like i said you know your horse so you should be able to see it well maybe it's stuff you want to see and you want to 
think that it's doing its job, well, hey, whatever works, right? (laughs) (laughs) And believe me, I don't own a supplement company. I get nothing from these companies. Um, So I, you know, I always say whatever makes you and your horse happy, um, as long as it doesn't throw off the balance of the diet. And I will say there are some supplements that could, and I would be really careful, especially some of these high vitamin A supplements, the high magnesium supplements, uh, you know, some of these mineral supplements that are just so high in some of these minerals, I really get worried that when you start adding on, even along with uh, you know good quality forage and a, a high grain diet and then all of these other supplements, you're really starting to throw off the balance of the diet. So you're probably doing more harm than good. And again, that's when you should work with a nutritionist. Yeah, because as Carrie said, there, I mean, there's so many mineral interactions that the average horse owner doesn't even realize that these things like talk to each other within the animal's body. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times people um, may be looking for a supplement because their their horse maybe isn't winning or competing at the, the level that they wanted to. Is this something supplements can fix? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> And maybe I will own a supplement company if I can find the answer to that one. Um, You know, I think there's so many levels to that. Uh, You know, performance problems can start anywhere. Uh, You know, I mean, they might be nutritionally related, but they might be that there's an underlying veterinary problem in there somewhere, and you really need to pull in a vet as well. Um, You know, working with your vet, your nutritionist, your trainer, all those levels, I think they'll help you come up with that. But, you know, I think just, like in the human weight loss market everybody wants that magic pill everybody wants that magic drug and yeah if if i came up with a supplement that said if you feed this to your horse it'll win the triple crown um and you were a uh, belgian draft horse yeah okay um <laughs> i i would make a lot of money but i don't think there's that magic pill to really do anything maybe if your horse has an underlying problem and it can be addressed by supplementation, yes. But but there's such a, a broad spectrum of problems that, that could be the underlying cause. I wouldn't start with the supplement. I would start with getting your horse's health checked first. Right. Yeah, because I think it, it's easier to reach for something off the shelf rather than veterinary or training or the person themselves, right? Because yeah. humans can get in the way of horses performing. Absolutely. I mean, then you have saddle fit and bridle fit. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing until my new horse. He has a funny pole and his bridle is bothering him. I mean, you know, there's so many other things and then just training and behavior conditions as well. So there's an awful lot to look at. So. And we're not getting into specifics on this one. We'll save that for some other time and we'll talk some specific supplements. But you definitely said, you know, look for uh, if it could have some research behind it, we definitely would prefer that. You also said they should be, now, is that right? They should be more expensive? (laughs) Not that they should be, but don't, don't look at your list of supplements and go, ooh, this one's you know, a dollar cheaper a day. So let's get that one without looking at the level of the ingredients that are in it. Because the reason why it might be a dollar less a day is because it might have a tenth of the ingredients that are needed in it. And then it's not doing anything. So even if you're paying 20 cents versus a dollar 20 a day, you're still wasting that 20 cents because it's not doing anything. 
So, so yes, I did say you get what you pay for, but depending on, on the amounts that are in the supplement, um, you might need to spend a little bit more to get the same efficacy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So does it matter, you know, again, and you alluded to it, it's a lot of this is, is marketing and that's their job and they have professionals that, that help market these things. So do, do we know, like, if, if it's used by a high-level um, three-day eventer or show jumper, that does that mean that it is more effective because it's used in fancier horses? <laughs> you would like to think, right? Right? And the companies would like you to think that as well. Um, not necessarily, because they have different horses than you have. Um, they have very, very high-level athletes, Olympic-level or, or race-level uh, athletes. You know, I'm, I'm a training-level dressage uh, rider, and my horse is just going training-level now. Does it need the same sort of things? No. Um, if I give it the same sort of things, is it going to win everything? No. <laughs> i got a long way to go before any of that. So, so yeah, a lot of these are endorsed by... Uh, high-level riders because they feel it works in their horses and they get a lot of the product, um, but it doesn't mean it necessarily is right for your horse. So any final thoughts about what horse owners should do when they get that magazine that's just oh, full wow. of choices? Well, they look online <laughs> and they see there's uh, one million hits for whatever they search for. You know, just, just don't, don't have a trigger finger. Don't click on the first purchase button that you come to. Um, ask around at your barn, your trainer, your vet, your farrier. You know, ask around, and then and then look into things. Spend the time. And I know time is money, right? You know, we we all have that problem. But just spend the time looking at, at some things. And uh, and you know, it might not be a bad idea if you do have a nutritionist um, or your extension specialist or even county specialist some of these guys do have that sort of expertise reach out it doesn't it doesn't hurt and i think your horse and probably your pocketbook will be happier yeah absolutely because that pocketbook can get pretty lean on the supplement game absolutely well thank you so much carrie i think this has been a great introduction to the world of supplements and we're definitely going to have you back to get into the weeds on some of the particulars i'm looking forward to it all right so thank you so much and that has been our tech talk talk